podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Big Strong Leicester Boys podcast. Apologies if you do not like swear words, but we will be beginning today's podcast episode with a couple of swear words. <laughs> My grades never bothered me anyway. Yes, hello, and welcome back to the Big Strong Lester Boys podcast. I thought that was quite fitting to, to start today's episode with that. Um, that was the suggestion of, of Jack, by the way, and completely agree with it. Uh, pretty disastrous weekend once again for Leicester, compounded by the fact that Ben Chilwell scored. And down there at the bottom of the Premier League, six teams. Five of them picked up points, just the one didn't. Guess who? That was us. Um, so uh, let's get straight into today's podcast episode. Um, must mention as well, in a little while, uh, we'll be joined uh, by Alex Euro Expert. Um, if you follow him on Twitter, he's been brilliant lately. He's going to join us in about 10 minutes' time. We're going to talk about potential managers and just his take on the situation as well. And also, uh, Becky Taylor is going to join us as well to, to give us her thoughts and take on on Brendan Rogers. Um, Jack, um, hello, mate. How are you doing? Um, yeah, good choice, I think, for, for the music. Very fitting, isn't it? I think that's how we're all probably feeling right now. Yeah, uh, I thought it was very apt. Um, yeah, my mum actually sent me that to, to me earlier. Uh, she's not a football fan either. So, um, I, yeah, I don't quite know what's got into her. She's not a fan of swearing either. But yeah, I thought it was very appropriate. Um, very disappointing yesterday. There are, there are lots of things that... Um, uh, make me quite frustrated and upset about yesterday, which I'm sure we'll get into. But um, mm. but yeah, not good um, is an understatement. Yeah. Um, Rick, is, is that a version of Frozen that you play for your little weenie nippers? Uh, well, yeah, it is actually. <laughs> um, Frozen's a big, very popular in my household. Um, and I did bring a Frozen um, anecdote, didn't I? I think it was a... a What's his name? Emmy Martinez looked like Olaf from uh, Frozen the other week. So, yeah, love it. Great version. That is my cup of tea and sums up uh, my feelings because I'm fuming. Um, another weekend ruined by Leicester City Football Club. Hmm. Um, I mean, in any other walk of life, if somebody kept coming around your house every weekend and belting in the Jeffreys and upsetting you and the kids, you wouldn't put up with it, would you? Yet, when you're a football fan, you keep being subjected to it because what else are you going to do? Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it, it's so frustrating. Um, uh, you know, a lot like my anecdotes, but um, mm. I saw on social media yesterday, somebody posting on the way to uh, the King Power Stadium. They were like, oh, this is my religion, my church. And uh, I was thinking to myself, no, it's not though, is it? Because <laughs> you wouldn't, it. You, people that have kissed the cloth that go to church, they don't have eight points before they go to the game just to be able to st- – sorry, before they go to the service on a Sunday to be able to stomach it. And they're not there booing the vicar when he's halfway through, Lord be my shepherd. So it's nothing to do with religion. And likewise, you ain't got the vicar standing up there saying, you lack complacency, you lack quality, 
um, you know, and moaning at the, the church treasury because they haven't given them any bunts for some new prayer mats. So it's got nothing to do with religion. It's worse because with religion, you use your faith to get you through the tough times. Whereas with football, it's the football that gives you the tough tough times, doesn't it? And make you lose faith. So, no, I'm absolutely just, my head's gone again. Um, weekend ruined. Just, I can't be arsed with it. I really can't. And then you've got Pratt's on Twitter who think he still needs a chance. Uh, that's a, a wonderful uh, start from you <laughs> to, the, to the episode, Rick. Beautiful stuff. I don't think anyone could have ever possibly predicted uh, where that was going, um, but genius as always. Uh, Jack, I'll be honest, Matt, I, I, I feel really weird about the game yesterday because in many ways it's similar to what we've seen so many times this season where we haven't been really bad. I haven't watched it thinking, God, we're dreadful. But we're just losing games over and over again. And it's in the kind of same manner, isn't it? We're just too weak defensively. You know, you can pick out individuals probably for all of them. And at some point over the course of the season, they've all been pretty culpable for the goals. But I think once again yesterday, at spells, we were pretty decent. Um, you know, once we went one all, there was there's a, a five-minute spell before half-time, unfortunately, just before they scored, where we had a, a good couple of chances. Um, Jewsby Hall had a brilliant one in, in the second half as well. And, um, you know, I heard Brendan then say afterwards that, you know, the, the game hinged on big moments. It's like, well, yeah, Brendan, they always do. And we always seem to come out the wrong side of these big moments. And, yeah, so I, I kind of want to be angry when I'm looking at the league table and, and how the football club is at the moment. But when I'm watching this, I'm not thinking with that abject. But ultimately, the, the results just aren't good. And <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? That it's, yeah. I'm not sat there thinking, God, we're useless. We're just not getting the results. I, I've actually made some notes this week, and the first thing I've written down is it's similar to a lot of get, a lot of our games this season. Yeah, we've been games. Um, we've created chances. Chelsea haven't. Chelsea put the ball in the net five times, and yeah, I, they didn't have that many chances. So the xG for the game two point five two to Leicester, one point five seven to us. Like xG is a nonsense, but it is indicative of of the overall flow of the game. We missed three big chances. So, I mean, KDH, I don't know how he... Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he, his confidence is all over the place and, and I'd, I'd like to talk about him later. Amati's managed to head the ball wide when he's actually in the goal. <laughs> yeah. is uh, like, astonishing. And then there's another one. Suter, in the middle of the goal, just doesn't get contact with the ball. And it, uh, if I'm remembering it correctly, I've not brought myself to, to watch the highlights. But he... Um, so, he missed three big chances... Another game. We sh- we should not lose that game. We should we should win that game. But at the very least, we should be getting a point out of that game. And um, it's another one we've lost. So what we lost now? Fifteen games, and mm. we've drawn two or three this season. Another one where we could have we could have ground a point out. Um, I thought the subs were really odd yesterday. Um, a lot of people talked about Mendy um, coming off. I thought he was controlling the game and actually playing through the first press. I didn't agree with that change. I, I, I quite liked Sumari, but he was he was dreadful as soon as he came on. And um, I, I thought he just kept giving the ball away. I I mean, I thought Daka played really well. He takes him off rather than Iheanacho. Daka scored from 25 yards on his wrong foot. Looks like he's got a bit of confidence and swagger about him. Takes him off. Leaves Iheanacho on, who didn't do well. He was all right yesterday. I'm not going to dig him out too much because people on Twitter might get too cross, but I didn't think he did much. Our keeper, there's no point in having a keeper, although he did make quite a good save in the second half. But I mean, honestly, I 
I, I reckon my dad's 72. I reckon he would have got down quicker <laughs> on the on the first goal than he did. I mean, Chilwell's hit it quite well, but it's it's rolled in. Yeah. Um, and uh, where where else? He's he's just not good enough. And uh, I've been I've defended him a few times. Everson cannot be any worse than him. He, he like I've never seen anyone make be smaller when they're actually a big big goalkeeper. Um, Fez is is completely reckless. He's slow. Uh, KDH has got zero confidence. We're playing with a high line without strikers pressing. I mean, it, like it just goes on. And I, I know what you're saying. It wasn't that bad, but there's so many things collectively that are just yeah. off. Mm. Yeah, that it's not very good. And you, I, I, I won't dig you out too much, but you've not watched the last ten minutes. The last ten minutes, I've never seen a Leicester side. Well, actually, maybe I have, but like in the really dark days, I haven't seen a Leicester side with such a lack of belief. Like I know we're like I know we're down to ten men. The stadium is empty, and you've got. We're not even trying. Like you've got players like not running in the last minute. I, it was, it was pathetic, really. Um, actually, quite embarrassing because I, I didn't think Chelsea um, were that good. Although their Twitter account seems to be making out like they're world beaters, <laughs> um, but I, 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 the ending of the game was actually embarrassing. So it's 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 got like I, I said after the game, like enough's enough now. Like we're if, if anyone can't work out the predicament we're in now, I and I've gone fairly quickly. I get that, but that it was a really worrying display. Just the way we crumbled. Yeah, no, I think it was in the Southampton game as well. Well, it definitely was the Southampton game where there just appears to be this lack of urgency and, and failure to, to recognise the situation that they're in. You know, we need to be throwing the kitchen sink at stuff. And you're right, Jack, there just doesn't seem to be that um, kind of awareness uh, with the players and then also with the manager um, that we are in serious trouble. And it kind of brings us back to that that tweet last week with Rob Tanner's article and, and James Madison then replying to it, saying that basically it was nonsense. And, you know, at the time, I kind of couldn't work out really how I felt about it in that I quite liked the fact that Madison was sticking up for his teammates and, and coming out and being a bit of a captain. But at the same time, if you read what he actually said, you could then interpret it like, actually, James, mate, you're not really recognising that we are in genuine difficulties here because it's kind of saying you know if you carry on playing like this we'll be okay I was like no we've just lost to Southampton if we carry on playing like that we're going to go down you need to recognize you know how bad this situation currently is um and um I know Becky's going to join us in a little while and talk about this uh, it's in our own hands thing that, that Brendan has kind of rolled out numerous times before and each time it spectacularly failed and it just feels Rick that once again um Brendan is in this situation where he's probably just trying to keep everyone calm, but also at the same time, I think that's not what's needed here. He needs to get everybody kind of fired up and, and recognising that if they don't pull their finger out, we will go down. We are sleepwalking at the moment into a world of shit. Absolutely. Uh, I think the, the scary thing about this season is we're not just having to compete with finishing above one other team to get to 17th, you know, we could quite easily finish 20th bottom. Yeah. I think it's two, we might. Two points. It's two yeah, points. I, that's it. I, I actually think we, I, not might, I think we will right now. Without a change, we will. So it's a nightmare. You wouldn't back us uh, to, to get out, away from it. Um, and I mean, Brendan talks, I, I, I'm not even going to get onto the game. Jack can cover the game. You can cover the game. I'm all about, just, he's got to go. But what uh, the thing about Brendan is, he he talks about how we overachieved, yeah? yeah, and we perhaps did, 
But if you overachieve, it's because you've affected that. So Brendan came in and he was able to motivate those players. He picked them up when they were already underperforming or if whatever we were doing. And he got us straight away from March 2019, straight through until back end of 2021. We we were averaging one and a half to two points a game and we were comfortably top, uh, top six. He's saying that's overachievement. Fine. But the words when he joined this football club was the expectation here is to try and get European uh, football, to win a cup. That's what we're going to do. There was none of this oh, moaning about God knows what and saying we lack quality, we're complacent, all of that. So he caused that overachievement. Fine. I'll clap my hands and say, well done, Brendan. This summer, he said, we're going to struggle. I've told the owners we're going to struggle because we've not got the rebuild. Okay. And what's happened? We've struggled. So the overachievement that he's affected, the underperformance now, he's affected. So he's done it all. Well done, mate. And those that still support him, who want to lavish when he did overachieve, have got to now hold their hands up and say, yeah, you're right. Because that's the last thing that they were hiding behind. And, you know, it's all played out. We're done. It's Stockholm Syndrome as well with some of them. Mm. And I'm I'm in no mood to mince me words. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I I really dislike them comments before the game as well when he was comparing Chelsea what to a Ferrari and, and Leicester being a mini and it was just it was very um, reminiscent of Claude Powell if you remember the back end of his tenure when he was saying that we couldn't compete with teams like West Ham and Everton and um, you know and it's just this is not how you motivate a group of players you know I think I saw and read during the week we've got a, a, an average weekly wage of £84,000 you know these are not lower league footballers these are top earning multi-millionaires who have been there and won multiple cups most of them you know and you're trying to kind of make them feel like they're inferior or sorry that, that Chelsea are far superior like it's it's not how you motivate a team Brendan it's just not it's nonsense and it's it's really bad management in in my opinion but look I'm, I'm sure we'll speak loads about uh, Brendan um, throughout the course of, of today's episode um, as I said Becky Taylor's going to join us in a little while uh, we still will do who are you and, and try bring some kind of um, <laughs> fun to today's episode I'm joined now by by Alex Barker um, Alex Barker is at Euro Expert on Twitter um, he's a really good follow uh, some really interesting stuff um, particularly about managers and, and that's kind of what we want to, to speak to Alex about on today's episode. So Alex, thanks for joining us, mate. How are you doing? Apologies. We're not the most cheery bunch this evening, but I'm sure you can forgive us. I was going to say, mate, it's like gate crushing a funeral. I'm really enjoying <laughs> just sitting back and watching <laughs> you guys melt down in front of me. Yeah, but no, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on as Hawk Lester. Yeah. Um obviously you've just heard us um and our views on on Brendan Rogers. As a as a as a podcast, Alex, you know, we've actually been pretty loyal and I think, you know, Rick has for a while now been been Brendan out, but the most of us have been kind of just wanting to give him time and then hopefully eventually at some point he, he turns it around because we do believe he is a good manager. But well, I think we're all now at that stage where we're thinking, right, we need we need to change. Um from your outside um position, but also in your expert position. Um, what do you make of of Brendan Rodgers and, and the current situation at Leicester? Yeah, I feel like Brendan Rodgers is a bit of a shame because he he started out as a very good manager at Leicester, took you to an FA Cup, but it was only a few months after I was saying that I think it was coming to the natural end. The average Premier League manager lasts about three years. And I feel like after those three years, right, a manager will either run out of steam, um, the team will run out of steam, finances run out of steam there'll be a lot of squad turnover and that's why you only see 
managers like Pep, like um, Klopp, last so long. With Rodgers, it, it feels like he's had all three things. Like, your transfers have been quite underwhelming. I remember when Sumari came in and everyone was hyping him up and I was always thinking... Mm. He wasn't that great for Lille. He was okay. He kind of survived in a very very good team as a bit of a passenger. Then he's coming out and saying the things like, oh, you know, I've overachieved with Leicester. The comments about <laughs> comparing Leicester to a Mini Cooper and Chelsea to a Ferrari, that's atrocious. No one wins in that scenario. It's what Conte was doing earlier this week for Spurs when he was saying how, you know, there's le- they're leagues apart from Milan in terms of history. That it just feels like so many excuses have come up from Brendan Rodgers over Leicester. And yeah, I, I think it's been, from listening to you guys talk about how, you know, you're in a relegation fight and there's no beating around the bush. I think fans who aren't fans of Leicester, they're waking up to that as well. Because I've, I still think of Leicester City as that plucky outsider, you know, making smart, intelligent decisions to break into the top six. Eventually they're going to do it. And over the past 18 months, you're not that anymore. I mean, sorry to rub it in. You're not that anymore. You are just, you know, mid-table at best. And that's a really big shame. I'd take mid-table, um, Alex, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to... I was going to say the same thing. I think mid-table is being generous currently. Um, I, I think we're bottom of the table, bar a decent run. Um, Alex, it, great to have you on the show. I've been very keen to get you on the show because as soon as... Uh, and, and for one particular reason, I make no apology for that. As soon as the debate on Brendan Rodgers sparks up, and I think there was even some of this at the ground yesterday about people wanting him to go, the question props up, well, who do you get an, instead? Um, and uh, Rick is uh, was brought on originally as our European football expert and has unfortunately been found out very quickly. So we got someone on that actually knew what they were talking about, which is you. Uh, Rick, you don't need to reply to that yet. You can reply to that later. Um, but I, what, what I really what, what I'd love to get your take on is, are there any managers out there who are available and um, and, and can take the club forward? Because I guess the... The challenge is that the names that are often put forward are the likes of Pochettino and Tuchel, who, I mean, we're quite realistic and never going to get it, um, are never going to want the job. And then you, you're left with pe- people like Dyche, who's obviously gone to Everton, who would have been quite quite the change. And then you're left with a load of people that probably aren't that great because they're, they're out of work. But um, yeah, I'd love to get your take on on who you think could take us forward and who who could be the next Leicester manager. Well, yeah, just to add on to what you were saying, I think you are kind of spot on. There is a bit of a dearth in managerial talent at the moment, at least it's not tap like at least it's not already tapped up. And you guys, you're the Leicester experts. Correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I know, Brendan Rodgers is on quite an expensive contract that would take a lot to buy out. So I would, I would say it's a double whammy because it's expensive and it's long. So yeah. um Yes. Yeah. So he's still, I think he's still to 2020, end of 2025. So he's got two more seasons after this. And I mean, the oh. figures are anywhere between eight and 12 million. So it's it's not going to be a cheap one, put it that way. Yeah. And it, like the point on that is, are Leicester going to be able to go and buy another manager out of, the contra- out of their contract? And I think as well is, it, like you mentioned, the, the Pochettino and Tuchel. I think even managers a little below that caliber would put off a bit. I mean, a uh, quick, quick side note: like a player who moved to you guys in January, Tete, so excited about 
brilliant in France, like genuinely fantastic. First game, he completed six dribbles, so it's a goal and assist. Fantastic. He's not completed more than one dribble since. He has fouled four times on his debut, been fouled once, like twice since in the other games. It's like every player who joins you kind of falls a little bit off a cliff after a while, but like Voot um, Fast as well. Um, but I have uh, got a manager who I'm actually preparing to do a video on specifically to Leicester. And I think he's the, the sort of profile you'd be going for is, you know, not a big name yet and not someone who's going to keep you in mid-table. By that, I mean, not a Sean Dyche who will... Yeah. I love the guy, but... There's not a ceiling. Be, yeah, got a high ceiling. And the guy I'm going for is Frank Heiss of Lons. The downside is he... I think his English is particularly good and he has got limited experience, but he is a very good idea for Leicester because he's basically the manager of French Leicester, right? Took Lons to um, uh, Ligue 1, uh, very fortunately, only after a couple games in charge and like by default when COVID cancelled Ligue 1 and Ligue 2 got promoted. But as a newly promoted side, right, and I think this is kind of make you guys feel a bit happy and sad because it really makes you feel of old Leicester times. When he when Lons got promoted in 2020, French football was mainly um, 4-4-2 sort of base tactics around that sort of thing. It's very simplistic. He came in and it's his first senior job. And he blew the league apart with this very fluid back three system that was not only good at you know holding possession, not like a Pep style team, but more like a Tuchel style team, right? Dominating the games, but really fluid with dynamic forwards. And like he's still operating a little bit of it today, but he'll change game to game and adapt to his opponents. And it's a really nice blend of okay, we can beat down the little sides with uh our possession uh but also when we're playing the big teams we're not hopeless we we can use our players to counter-attack quickly can exploit the channels you players like Lawson sapendo moved from vitesse recently and you know maybe frank highs you can't convince him he's tied down to Lons for a couple of years but i don't think he'll be an expensive contract at all probably very lowly paid and i think he'd be ready to move on even in the summer but he is the exact sort of manager in my opinion you guys should be going for someone to get you back into the mix of, yeah, we are a team that are trying to make smart decisions, trying to be bold, and we're not going to let ourselves succumb to bottom of the table or mid-table, which I know you guys would be very happy with, but from the outside, I think it'd be quite a shame if Leicester, the Leicester of getting, nearly getting Champions League two years in a row start getting quite happy in, like for the next few years of finishing 10th, 11th, 12th, because I think you're on the verge of something pretty good and still are. Um, I like the sound of him. And um, uh, funny enough, uh, you've probably not seen Rick's uh, take on Tete, but he absolutely loves him. Uh, and he did quote your video as to why he's he's not been the only person that's that's got him wrong. And he's being <laughs> written off by many members of the fan base, but um, I'm willing to give him a bit of time. It, in terms of our side, like you obviously watch a lot of football and have seen probably a lot more of our players abroad than us. We've been talking a lot and a lot of our players currently seem bang average um is that fair like the likes of Fe uh, so you talked about fez there who started brilliantly for us fell off a cliff um sumari i would I, I think it's fair to say is uh, he's not divided the fan base i think most of the fan base think he, he's rubbish dak is one that i think there's there's something there i mean is there do you think there's a decent squad to work with there or do you think it needs needs more work i think attacking wise 
there there is some good stuff to work with. I think Ian Atcher and Dakar, I think those are two really good forwards who have the ability to put up good numbers. I remember when Ian Atcher first moved to Leicester, like and first moved from City over in City, he was putting up really high goals per ninety figures. And yes, it was in like a ridiculous team, but wasn't it last season as well when he still wasn't playing all the games, but it felt like his like per ninety metrics are so high that there is a very good player there who is a Premier League level footballer. Um, I think with Harvey Barnes as well, he's a top quality player. Even if you lose James Madison in the summer, I don't mind your midfield still, even with um, Sumari in there. I think Dewsbury Hall's pretty good. Like I don't look at Leicester to answer your question more directly. I don't look at Leicester and think, oh, this team would be, you know, like mid-table in other leagues around Europe. I think you'd, under the right management, you'd be like battling sort of the top five, top six in a lot like, in a lot of other leagues and potentially in the Premier League, um, it is more of the defence I'm concerned about. And uh, just because you've mentioned it there, I think what struck me about Leicester's construction as well is I, I think your recruitment has been uncharacteristically poor. You know, for a few years, you yeah. were hitting, hitting the mark. But so to extend more on Samaro, when he was playing at Lille, um, when Lille won the league, he was playing central midfield in a 4-4-2. And it, essentially any pass that he'd made would automatically go in the final third. Um, it, was, it wasn't anything he was doing. It was more the fact that the way Lille played, the midfielder would usually receive the ball with a lot of space right on the edge of it. So any passes in there would go straight in. And it felt like when he moved, lots of people championed the move of, you know, he's hitting all these big passing metrics. Like you look at him, he's always like spraying these passes. And another thing as well is near the end of the season when he played more, Lille were really hunkered down at times defensively. So every player in their team was hitting really good defensive metrics. So everyone was saying, wow, look at him. He's he's the all-round midfielder. And I think a lot of people watching closely said, he's quite rough, he's decent, but he's far from the best player in this Lille side. And Fast is another one um, where he's playing at Rem, or Rems, sorry. And <laughs> for a lack of a better term, there is a reason why people called him the discount David Luiz because he was very <laughs> reckless in a in a team that's meant to be quite safe. He was always really aggressive, which paid off sometimes. But when Leicester signed him, I thought, really? Like, it's I'm used to you guys signing someone a little, you know, a little more under the radar and someone a little more cleaner. Um, so yeah, I think that's been an element of Leicester, like your downfall. Essentially, it's not like you've recruited terrible terrible players but it's just been a level below I think what you're used to and it goes back to what I said at the start where I think Brendan Rodgers has been brought down by himself and also bad squad squad turnover yeah uh, Alex um, I think sorry um, Rick you wanted to add a point didn't you Rick yeah I did um Alex I mean I'm a massive fan of yours on Twitter it's like uh for some meeting, someone like Mila Kunis, but uh, yeah, I've been following your <laughs> your your work for a long while. And as Jack's just said, I I was blowing smoke up Tete's behind, probably overinflating him because I was so desperate for us to a get a Brazilian player in, but a left-footed right winger. 
Um, and you gave him a nine and a half out of ten. I'd given him a ten out of ten. So if I'm going down, you're coming down with me. But I think that Rick, you, Rick, I've just <laughs> described you as a B Tech Euro Euro expert. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that all day. Rick, long I'm loving because... everything you're saying so far. <laughs> Thanks, mate. No, no, you are. You, you, you've you've managed to bring that knowledge and the the witty stuff as well, which I can only dream of. But uh, yeah, the question I've got for you, so. I've been looking at managers. Uh, I mean, I've been branding out for a long while. Then I've wavered a bit, thinking, no, I should be a bit more um, forgiving, given what he's done. I'm looking in the out-of-work uh, managers because when you're best, when you're pretty much relegated, which we are, you can't be, you know, it's hard to say, we'll go and get Vincent Company. We'll go and get um, even someone like William Still at Woot Fass's old club. Uh, so I've been looking in the outer work managers and there's two I've been looking at. Marcelino, who was at Bilbao and before he did really well at Valencia and Villarreal. And then the other one, who you'll know a lot about is in Ligue 1, was um, Julian Stefan, who was at Strasbourg and did really well at Rennes before that, won their first trophy in a long while. So uh, any of those do you think could come in? I know Marcelino, for example, he's worked well with clubs that have done quite well, then they're on their arse. You know, he picked Valencia up, he picked Villarreal up, and he hit he hit the ground running. And, you know, we need it. We've got 12 games to go. It's not even a case of, oh, well, they'll sort us out next season. We need someone who's a firefighter, but there's no point bringing someone in just for 12 games unless you're really going to go down that route. But we've got the most forgiving ownership as well that will probably give him a 10-year contract, buy him a bloody golden elephant to, that he can have out in Thailand. So it's it's not even a case of bringing in a firefighter. We've got that. We, we need the happy medium. Um, so, yeah, any of those two tickle your fancy, please. I'm begging. Damn, why am I on here? Rick's got some top knowledge in European football. That's class. Um, Marcelino first. That That is a really interesting show. I, can't, I think my only negative on that is... Yeah, he, he for people who might not for listeners who might not know, Marcelino's the guy when I think he most popped into culture where he won the Copa del Rey with Valencia at the um at the against the wishes of the owner, uh Peter Lim, um, because Peter Lim wanted Valencia to focus on the league and he got sacked to winning the cup, um, which says a lot more about what's happening in Valencia. Uh, he tends to operate with a back four system, I believe. But I'm not sure. I think he's been out of work for a little bit. I mean, Rick can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and I'm not sure. He's yeah, worked... he's, he left about a season, I think. Yeah. And he, I'm not sure he's worked outside of Spain. But, you know, Heiss has no, never worked out outside of France. So, those, you know, it's absolutely fair for both managers. I think that'd be an interesting pick. And the, the other one you said, Julian Stefan, that is a really rogue shout. I love that. Um He's, his stock is probably at its lowest, to be fair. So, yeah, he was at Ren um, for about three seasons. He's the guy who really elevated Eduardo Camavinga. He promoted him when he was a 16-year-old, played him as a 17-year-old against PSG, where he got a match performance and really blew him up. So if you want someone to work with youngsters, Stefan is absolutely the guy. The reason I say stock's really low at the moment is because um, last season he took over Strasbourg, uh, which in fairly newly promoted side. I think they were promoted about four seasons ago in France. And they were operating with like a very sort of Burnley-style system. And, uh, if anyone wants a fun fun thing to go back and watch, it's uh, Strasbourg Pilots from 2020. They had a six-foot-six striker called Ludovic Jork, and their whole idea re- revolved around putting balls on top of his head <laughs> and hoping they would go straight in. And Stefan kind of came in and rejigged it 
and took him to a fairly top half finish last year. And a lot of French commentators thought, okay, this guy, let's see what he can do. He's thought of as like a tactical, like wonder kid in France. Where's he going to take Strasbourg next? Where will it be? Will it be Europe? Will it be top four? And it turns out so far this season, it's the relegation zone. Um, his team's completely slumped this year. But that might say more about Strasbourg having a really low pass squad. He's really overachieved with that team, but he's never mentioned it. Um, and less, slightly less to do with him. But if you would, out of the two, Rick, I'd probably go Marcelino still just because um, I, th- I think Stefan, he crashed a little bit at Rennes and he's definitely crashed at Strasbourg. Personally, I don't think all of it's his fault. But if you're Leicester right now, I don't know how much of a gamble you take on that. Whereas Marcelino hasn't tended to blow up that spectacularly. But I think all these managers kind of fit in right with what we're saying. Managers who aren't top class, but aren't going to have a low ceiling. Um, but uh, Alex, absolutely fascinating um, and so insightful uh, and, and nice to have a few names that I can now throw around when uh, when people say, who would you, uh, who'd you replace Rogers with? Um, I just, you mentioned it slightly there and I'm, I'm intrigued by it. Um, and obviously you're, you're a bloke who can, who's got a decent grasp on stats, but um, I get fr- frustrated with the way they're, um, they're thrown around sometimes as the be all and end all. Um, and it, it, from what you've alluded to there, they sometimes can be misleading. Um, what, and this might be quite a broad question. Um, so, I, so I appreciate we might not have time for all of it, but, but stats in football, what's your, it, it's your take on, on that. Um, they're a, they're a positive thing or sometimes overused. Um, it's a good question, but I'll be concise with it as you wish. It's the same thing that anyone from people like me like to use it when talking about football and people like Victor Orta at Leeds, the people really deep in recruitment say, you want to use 40% stats, 60% your eyes. They're a tool at the end of the day. And there's been a debate about this recently with expected goals, right? I think you guys mentioned at the start of the show where, you know, people will say, oh, Leicester created... 4xg like how didn't they score that this proves that we're getting unlucky or whatever well at the end of the day they're just a tool right it's just a tool to help us try and see what happened during the game they should never be the direction the headline of our discussion but at the same time they shouldn't be relegated to the bottom of it and just told they're irrelevant because people will say oh stats are all rubbish we don't need to use them in football Ask them what the score was of the last game before they before they go on to say it. You go, oh, no, 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 those are goals. Those are those are numbers. Describe what happened in the last game without using any numbers, any statistics, and we'll see how far we get. Uh, so yeah, try and use stats as a, a tool, and mm. use the rest of your eyes to see what's happening on the pitch. I love that. So what, yeah. what was that? Forty percent stats, sixty percent your eyes. Yes. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. That's that's staying with me. You're going to dine out on that now. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. I'm going to call people sixty percent stupid now, or sixty percent blind. Oh, brilliant stuff. Well, look, um, Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, mate. Uh, really do appreciate it. Some, um, yeah, some some really interesting stuff. And as Jack mentions now, I've been the same of whenever anyone says, "Well, who do you get in?" Then I'm like, oh, "I don't know." But now we've got a few names, so um, yeah, uh, really interesting stuff, mate. So really do appreciate your time. Oh, thank you very much for having me on. It's been really fun to talk Leicester. It's going to help me do my video tomorrow and giving me a bit more context. It's helpful. So that, that's, out, that's out tomorrow then and they can that'll be on your Twitter page? Uh, is... Yes, it, it will. It will. Uh, at Euro Expert on Twitter and TikTok. You can 
you can see more of my take on Leicester, which I'll be honest, I'll edit my script after this because it's been fun listening to you guys <laughs> talk a little more on some players. Superb. Thanks, mate. Beautiful stuff. Mate, thanks for your time. Really appreciate oh, it. Man. Thanks, Wonderful. Alex. Bye-bye. Super. Um, Realised as well, we haven't mentioned uh, there's no Jordan today. <laughs> Probably should have done at some point. Um, He's on another stag do. So he, he didn't do one, uh, an episode a few weeks ago, wasn't it? Because he was in Bilbao on a stag do. And I've just seen a picture, lads, of him in Dusseldorf for, for this stag do. Have you noticed that he must have the biggest group of friends in the world? Like Jordan, both of them, Jordan, it looks like there's there's 20 plus people on these stag do's each time. Jordan, Jordan is literally the most popular man ever. He yeah. knows everyone. I know. Like, yeah. Like, I, I, when I've gone on a stag do, it, it, and he's got the most unpopular Leicester City opinion, though. I'll have you. And what's that? He's, Jordan is literally Brendan Rodgers is the business. He's, he's, he's still he's, not fully out, is he? He's, he's been dug out, out so much on our Twitter page. I think, like, even <laughs> stuff I said, people have been writing. Oh, fucking Jordan said that last week. I was yeah. like, I think that was me. <laughs> Yeah, it's, well, it's because you two always agree, isn't it? So it is hard to sometimes. Not always, mostly. Not always, but yeah, mostly. mostly. But it's, it's your yeah. thing, isn't it? So that's probably why. Yeah. Um, so look, uh, we laughed there because it is Jordan <laughs> and his uh, Rogers in, um, where he has kind of been very loyal, and look, I respect Jordan's opinion very much for it. If that's what he believes, then absolutely fine. Uh, but he is absolutely the minority. We've got uh, Becky Taylor now joining us um, at Becky. I'll put it back up. Um, TLCFC on Twitter, yeah, and she's a, for, for people watching on YouTube. She's got a Rogers out sign. Um, so, so, well, so Becky, I, I, I think um, it's right in saying you're you're Rogers out then. <laughs> yes, just just yeah. a bit, and it's been a. Uh, I've probably been Rogers out for before it was cool. I, I've been Rogers out for a long, long time. Uh, now, the reason we, we've got you on uh, the episode today is because you posted something on, on social media, which I think all the lads thought was was, was really quite interesting, was this um, it's in our hands phrase, which which Brendan has, has thrown around on what now is apparent. I wasn't aware of this on, on countless occasions, Becky, when it's either been, you know, Leicester chasing the, the top four or even with Liverpool going for the title. And of course, on each one of these occasions, it's quite... Well, we all know how it's ended each time. It's just just not quite the way that he wanted it to. So, um, yeah, tell us what you've uh, you've discovered in terms of this. It's in our hands uh, by Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, I I literally I was like, I'm sure that he said this before because it came out yesterday that he said it for this season, and I literally just went on just googled Brendan Rodgers. It's in our hands, and there was like <laughs> six six seven examples yeah. just. And it was just perfect. Like every single time that there's any kind of article that he said it and you'd think, oh, that's a bit of a rally cry. Brilliant. Actually, every single time, whatever he said, like going for the title with Liverpool, going for the top four with us, we fell short. And I was just like, that is just just horrendous. Like that, if anyone thinks that we're not in a relegation battle, now he said that, that's it for me. Like I was, I've been saying we're going to get relegated for ages, but... It's not not much hope now. Yeah, I mean it's 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 bizarre, isn't it, Becky? Because as I mentioned earlier, I don't think we're actually that dreadful. We're playing that dreadful, but ultimately the, the results are what they are, and it appears to be the the same things which happen each week as to to why we're not winning games of football. And um, the the thing that that scares me most of all is is this thing about you know Brendan Rodgers and and run-ins and and not being able to get over the line. You know, I don't really know why it always happens with his teams because obviously we're not privy to, to training sessions and, and team talks, etc. But, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's happened time and time again. So there's got to be 
there's got to be kind of some kind of substance to to why this keeps happening. Um, so is that a big fear of yours as well, that, that, that actually what we're seeing on the pitch isn't that bad, but ultimately you just don't trust Brendan in, in these kind of situations? I think that's the biggest thing. Like, they're just... This, the whole thing, I think I've said it before on different scenarios, like, it's just... It's the fight for me. Like, yeah. he's... Everything, like this team, I watch any other team in that bottom, however many, there's about nine terrible teams in the league this year. Um, like every single one of them just seems to have a bit more fight. And I just don't have mm. any confidence that Rogers can get any fight out of any of these players. Like every week I'm just like, yeah, we've done some nice stuff. Like yeah. we've played some okay football, but it's just nice. I think someone said it the other week on here, like just want a bit of violence. Like, that's what we need. <laughs> yeah. I think it was Jack. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, 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 I think that's just a recurring theme with me. And like, <laughs> um, I, I completely agree with you. I think um, teams are a reflection of their manager and, you know, Rogers is a, a smartly dressed bloke who, who looks great, but when the pressure's on, like, start sweating a little bit and it, it doesn't go quite well. I do get a little bit frustrated with his, his desperation to be nice to the opposition and everything has to be has to be classy. I, I'd love it if he went up and like nutted one of them uh, on <laughs> one occasion. Uh, it's not going to happen. I, I think he'd hit their like midriff or something, wouldn't he? Um, but it, we're, we're way too nice. I, I was I was talking to someone about it yesterday. I was, you know, like the, the Southampton scenario, like none of our players get around him. No. Just, just get round him. Like, just get round the referee and tell him what you think. Chelsea, <laughs> Amati kicks the ball at Havertz. Right, kicks the ball at him. Havertz, like rolling around like he's been like shot or something. Nine players around the referee, just because Amati kicked the ball quite hard at him. And it's like, I'm, I, you know, he, he did have some marks on his chest, but it really wasn't that bad. But again, like we're just we're so nice as a team, and there's so little fight every time. There's there's something up there where you know everyone goes over for a for a drink with Brendan. It's just like everything is overcoached a little bit as well. I just love it to be you know the two games that we have won recently have been completely chaotic, um, and that's been as as at our best. And I watched the Everton Forest game last week. It's one of the rare ones I watched, and the game was total chaos. But you'd hate to play against both those teams, and I think everyone must love playing against us, which is which is so yeah. frustrating. Yeah, well, we said, haven't we? When everything goes Leicester's way, then we're really good. We win four nil. Right, exactly. We score four goals, and we look but, we look incredible. Yeah, but when backs up against the wall, or you know, a decision doesn't go our way, we just capitulate every single time. Um, Becky, I'm, I'm not sure if you heard Alex there, our, our Euro expert, um, talking through some some possible options, etc. Uh, for managers, um, what's your thought in terms of what Leicester should do if they were to get rid of? Brendan Rodgers, do you think they should bring in somebody in terms of like a, a short-term fix to keep us in this season? Or do you think you, you look for a, a longer-term option? But of course, you know, with the, the viewpoint of keeping us up this season. Yeah, to be fair, I did listen to a bit of that and I was like, how am I going to follow this guy? Like, <laughs> unbelievable. But honestly, my answer to that question, when anyone says, who are you going to get this, that? Anyone. Honestly, anyone. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I've told my little brothers who are 9 and 12, I'd let them go and do it. I just think anyone would get more out of them. I think um, probably it just needs to be that bit of interim. Like, I, I mean, I don't think we're going to sack him, but if and hopefully when we do, like, I think it is just a case of even just let it just be um, the, the guys that are there, just let them 
Stal and the rest of them just do it. Get I genuinely believe anyone would get more out of them. And we were talking about Vardy particularly, like as if uh, whoever we go to the games with, and like it looked kind of like he was finished under Pule, and then Rogers came in, and obviously it was unreal again. And I'd yeah. love to just see Vardy again under anyone but Rogers because I just think that is just done. Yeah, no, it would be great just to get a little bit more out of him, wouldn't it, But before it all ends. Um, yeah. And yeah, you, you're right, maybe a new manager could do that. Um, Rick, on um, kind of Rodgers then, and, and I think the accepting that he's not going to get sacked this week, probably because, you know, the game against Chelsea, the owners will look at him and think, not that it's a free hit, but we're, we're always unlikely to win it, if that's um, the, the correct... I know they haven't been playing well, but I think you know what I'm They've saying. They've been terrible. Yeah, no, I, I know, I, I know. I, I, but, but maybe they're looking I didn't at. I think they were good. Chelsea. No, I, I know think they were good yesterday. But Rick, we now go into a run of games against Brentford, Palace, Villa, and Bournemouth. Four teams that, again, if you're looking at it as the owner in terms of when you're going to make a decision, you're far more likely to sack him after losing to Palace or, or Bournemouth than you are Chelsea. So, <laughs> where are you at now in terms of like Becky's just said she doesn't think he's going to get sacked. Do you think he is completely safe for this season? Or do you think now going into one of these games, there is now an expectancy that he has to pick up points in this in this run of games or he does lose his job? Uh, I mean, I don't think he is going to get the sack this week, is he? Because why, why is he still here? Um, so it's going to take another defeat, which will then be, how many is that on the spin then? Another six, is it? Breaking records again. Yeah, six, one in the cup. So um I just think they they will only do it like when we're really late. I can't remember when Burnley sacked Dyche last season, but it felt very, very late. And I but feel the, like the problem we... they, but they sacked him. Sorry, Rick, to interrupt. They sacked him and then didn't bring anybody in. Like yeah, the yeah, best yeah. manager in their in their history they sacked him and then just didn't bring in a new manager. What, just, just one point on that. And uh, I was I was not a Quill Poel fan, but I thought they sacked Poel far too late as well. It yeah. was about six months too late as well. Yeah. So I, I love I love the faith they have in people. Yeah. But <laughs> but at the same at the same time, there comes a point where you're like, I'm running out of faith here, and it's it's we're quite long in the tooth now to um be still keeping faith in him and expecting it to turn around. Yeah, being proactive as opposed to being you know reactive. And that's what we're we're not even being reactive because we're doing we're doing less than that. Yeah. I mean, we do we do still have an opportunity to save ourselves, though. We aren't yeah, bottom of the league, do. seven points adrift. We're still not actually in the bottom three, which, again, is possibly the a curse because other people are pointing, the ones with their heads up their arrows, that are saying, well, we're not, what's going on? We're going to stay up. Um, so if you did go and get someone, whether it's this week, whether it's next week, I think once this Brentford game's out of the way, you have that lull, don't you? With with the international break and it, it's the it's the it's when people now get the sack and they bring managers in. The issue is I'd want them preparing someone now so that they come in and they've got two weeks. I know half of them will bugger off around the world, but at least they're in. They're going to assess it for a few days. Start to really build confidence with the likes of Dewsbury Hall, who's not going to be away, who's on his ass. You know, Vardy, as Becky just said, oh, there's one swan song left in Vardy, whether it's one game. Yeah. Which would be yeah. nice. Whether yeah. it's twelve games, he's got five it, goals. Know. Five goals. Anything he will, yeah. he'll keep us up, and it'll be the film. That's what they're holding the film back for. Is this? <laughs> Even give him in. Play it. Play a manager. I oh, don't give a shit. Just get that arsehole out. I'm in. I'm in. 
and let him do it. Imagine the chaos if Vardy were leading it. They'll all be doing bloody skittle bombs, monster cans. It'll be I like, you know, honestly, I don't know if you, if, I don't know if you heard Danny Simpson under the cosh, but it shocked me how much they were actually drinking. Yeah. I used to play. I, I used to play. I used to play Saturday it. football, and I wouldn't drink Thursday, Friday before a game. These lot of yeah. Premier League footballers, and they were still drinking two nights before a game, and they won the Look Premier League. The with it. Yeah, but look at us uh, on the uh, pod, though, Jack. I mean, me and you swig, and when we swig, we're gold. When we don't, this is the only fit. this is the only time I swig, <laughs> Pete. So I've not, uh, I've not, not had a drink. So actually, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, when when he's going, he is going though, because what's going to happen is we're getting relegated. Imagine, imagine this is how scary. Imagine we get to the summer, and they're all going to be like, "Oh my God, we've gone down." Oh my God. <laughs> We've gone to, and imagine what Brendan's going to come out. Of. I mean, it's almost the only the only thing that's making me not like explode because it's like it's coming back to haunt you, pal, and I'm here for it because he can't get out of it. <laughs> and then you know, Top's going to have to write his notes, which he doesn't write. So they're all going to have to be like, we have just caused the greatest demise this football club has ever seen, has ever seen because. We're a yo-yo club. So people will point, well, you know, we're always... Yeah, but we've never been in this position in the modern era where we've got money. We've just built the best training ground in the world. We're about to expand the stadium. We've won the league for the first time in our history. We've won the FA Cup for the first time in our history. We've backed it up with two top fives, which we were all disappointed weren't Champions League positions. To crash from here is astonishing. Fair enough, Crashy, when you... You know, even Martin O'Neill years, he left and then that prep Taylor came in. <laughs> this is going to be as bad as Peter Taylor, if not worse, because Rogers is a supposedly an elite coach. And yet he's going to be the one that's masterminded this. Oh, well, we'll see, won't we? And I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, Becky, one last word on on then uh, Rogers and, and the rest of the season. Are you of the opinion that we will get relegated if we stick with Brendan Rogers? 100% like I, I literally tweeted I'm 100% we go down like in January like, and I kind of got tiniest bit of hope back when we got those new players in but yeah <laughs> it just, that was fun for a couple of weeks wasn't it yeah it was nice, it was nice <laughs> but genuinely like I just it's the only thing I can see happening like and there's been a lot of talk recently of people going oh we're sleepwalking into relegation but I mm. genuinely don't even think it's sleepwalking now we it's right there in front of us and we're just letting it happen yeah. It's horrendous. I, I, I literally like. Yeah. I was so angry yesterday after the game, and it's. I'm just. I just don't even know what to say about them anymore. No, I, th- I think we're just asleep as opposed to sleepwalking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fast asleep. Do you want a crumb of comfort about us getting relegated though? If it does happen, it would be interesting. So apparently, Italian clubs welcome relegation because the ultra end of the fan base think it cleanses the fan base. <laughs> okay. So you miss out on all the part-timers and it actually then becomes the core fan base. So I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll still be in the pod next year. So yeah. I'm fascinated to see what they do if we do get relegated with this nonsense they've been doing with the bloody ticket checks and stuff because the way that they're behaving this season with the fans, you know, yes, a load of them will leave anyway because we get relegated. But what about the ones that would ordinarily stay and they've pissed half of them off? So, you know, this stadium expansion is going to be brilliant because we'll have less than half full. 
it's yeah. I've got let me. I've just got one more analogy about Brendan Rodgers that's just yeah, come to it. me. So, have any of you ever been on an all-inclusive holiday? Yes, mate. Yeah. Yes, okay. I have. So, uh, you know, you imagine you love it, don't you? Like, right here we go, mass, amazing hotel, gonna get garried every day, eat loads, and you get there. And you love it, you know, you're waltzing around like a young Patrick Swayze, you're going around, you're in the pool, eating, drinking, and then it comes to you every time, I've done it a few times, about three quarters of the way through, the horror hits you, right? And suddenly you're queuing up to get the food and you're dry retching, you're like, oh my God, please, please, I can't eat anymore, you can't drink anymore, but you've paid for it, so you're like, I'm, you know... I liked it a few days ago. What's going on? You know, there was a geezer, 23 stone scaffold from Sunderland. You were doing sangria bombs around the pool with only a few days ago. For legal reasons, I've had to edit this part of the podcast. If you'd like to know what Rick in fact said, then I'm afraid uh, you're just not going to find out. Um, Or you can ask him and uh, Rick may well tell you. But um, for legal reasons, it wasn't allowed on the actual recording of this podcast. You know that, and that's what that's what's happening with Brendan here. You know, we've been through the good times, but we're now just waiting for the end of the holiday. Please, I want to go home. I want to go and put my bins out. You know, even, and this is what we this is what we're dealing with. Getting gone. Jack's face throughout all of that. This utter amusement. Well, <laughs> Where I was is this like, going? No, no, no. Also, like the last all-inclusive I went on, it was very, very difficult to get pissed because yeah. it was like completely watered down alcohol. So I must be uh, next time I go, I'll, I'll consult with you, mate. That's the Rafa Benitez all-inclusive holiday that we're about to be subjected to next. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, um, Becky, do you want to stick around for who are you? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, all right. Let's let's do that now, and then um, we we still got other bits and pieces to talk about about um, Leicester, believe it or not, <laughs> um, about the game that's just gone. Also, we'll, we'll look ahead to. Um, but now let's have a little game of who are you, shall we? Who is your daddy, and what does he do? Who are you? You? No, not me. You? Yes, I am you. Just answer the damn questions. Who are you? Wait a minute. Who are you? Right then. So, uh, yeah, let's have a game of who are you. Um, I'm back on being Quizmaster today. Um, Becky, you've you've heard this before. Know how it works, correct? Yep. I don't think I'm very good, but I'll I'll give it a go. Mm. Although you say Rick's Rick's still not been defeated either. Well, this is the thing, right? We we started doing this game, and it was like because oh, this is my thing, but but actually. Rick hasn't lost, and I actually can't remember the last time I won. Jack, I think yeah. you've won more times than yeah, me as yeah. well. I think yeah. actually, um, I think Jordan hasn't I, won. Any. I don't think jo- I think Jordan's <laughs> won once or something. Yeah, yeah. But but don't we always build as like, oh no, this is you. You won't beat Jake or whatever. Well, actually, um, Rick and, and Jack are actually significantly better than me. So um, yeah. So it could be worse. Um, I've picked out today's one. I'm actually very pleased with today because I, I discovered a stat whilst looking at this person's um, Wikipedia, which I wasn't aware of, which I really, really like. Um, obviously, I'm not going to open with it. It'll be, I think, second or third in. Is um, it Danny Cadamatri? Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> what, do, what, what, what would that stat be if it was Danny Cadamatri? I mean, he was like one of the youngest players ever, wasn't he? I think he, he was, was at what point. Yeah. Yeah. Odd you. 
Do you remember when Neil Warnock sent him into the uh, toilets on the documentary because he'd been ill? He's going, Danny, get, get, out, get out of the way. You're making me feel ill. Right. No um, sound effects today, Jake. We need more sound effects. Well, which one would you like? Ronnie Pickering. Okay, we'll just throw in a bit of Ronnie just yeah. because you've asked. Come on, who are you then? Ronnie Pickering. Who? Ronnie Pickering. Who? Ronnie Pickering. Who the fuck's that? Yeah, me. You haven't got everyone's had a drink yet, have you? Oh damn! See, I, 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 I mentioned a message in the group earlier saying, "What's the the sound effect I haven't put in yet?" It's that one, isn't it? Um, if if people, if it's a brilliant one. Sky Sports isn't the England fan, and he's been interviewed, yeah, yeah. and yeah, I don't think that the Sky Sports interviewer realised just how drunk he was at oh. the time. She asked him a question, and it took him about five seconds. Oh, no, we want a drink, haven't we? And it's hilarious. So I'll get that he in looks, at some point. He looks really upset as well. Yes, really upset and sad. I'd love to have him on here because he would be he'd be exasperated about what's happening. Like, taking five Everybody's had a drink. Say, yeah, it'd take five seconds to say nothing. <laughs> it'd be funny to watch on YouTube anyway. Um right, first clue, like we do with all of them now, we, we start off with the player's age. Um I was born on the eighth of November nineteen eighty, and a little added bonus. Um I'll tell you that he was born in Paris. Bruno Mangotti. No. I know he'd no, be older than that, wouldn't he? I think, a li- yeah, he would be li- quite a lot older. So this player is 42, so they are now retired. Nicholas Pratt. No. Um, right, do you know what? Sorry, I want to go in with this clue, which is one of my favourites, if not my favourite one. So it's a, it's a pretty niche one. So if you know this, then fair play. Um, but I scored two goals for Leicester. The second one and my last goal uh, for the club came in a 4-2 win over Ipswich. And it was the last league goal to be scored at the Walker Stadium before it was renamed to the King Power Stadium in the summer of 2011. Jeffrey Bremer. Danny and Gesson. No. To, no to Cry bang. Gilbert. Diamancy Kamara. How, Rick? Oh! <laughs> How? How have you got that? Seriously, it's a serious question. How do you have why? It's the only thing I'm good at. (laughs) And also, if you notice how red red my face is on... (laughs) For those who watch me on YouTube, I reckon I'm about to have a bloody heart attack or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's all this Brendan Rogers. You're getting yourself really worked up, mate. You're getting yourself wound up. I'm drinking. Yeah, superb, and also Rick. Rick, <laughs> Rick, that is superb, mate. Yeah. Like, so, thank you. So, so, did anyone know that? So, dear man, oh, well, I know, I know he plays for Leicester, but I, did, I can't remember yeah. when the stadium was renamed. I would have figured that yeah. the stadium was renamed before then, because that was, but yeah. I guess that was King Power's first season, wasn't it? Mm, so, um, look, I mean, this is just on Wikipedia, so I suppose there is a chance it may well be wrong. Um, but I'd imagine it's not. It'd be a strange thing to make up. But yeah, he scored the last goal at the Walker Stadium before it was renamed to the King Power back in 2011. Bruma so, scored in that game though as well, didn't he? Um, I think he scored twice. When he scored those two He scored like 35 yards. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it was that's, Watford. that's where I got them mixed up. But yeah, I remember. And then there was another game we won four... Well, I mean, Jeffrey Bruma was also Sven, wasn't it? It's also Holland. Yeah. He's also yeah. Dutch, Jeffrey Bruma. Yeah, well, I did. Yeah, but he could have got. He could have been born in Paris, maybe. And that's and, the thing. You know, to, dear Mancy, they've gone away from Paris. romantic it's, it's still weekend. Still a shit guess, Rick. It's still a shit guess. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah no, Dear Mancy, well, I still got it though. So yeah, the key is you've got to keep just firing. Who you just 
think about it and just keep firing them. Bruma, Kamara. Yeah. I was Roman Bednar. I was gonna, I was gonna meet you with all of them. Oh, Roman Sal. Bednar, what a player! Yeah, well, that was like so disappointed because I thought he'd score loads of goals for us, and then it turns out yeah. that he had yeah. other problems. But it was like same with loads of them strikers that era, wasn't it? You know, you can throw in Collins, John, um, Horsfield, Horse, yeah. Horsfield. We had, we had loads of Premier League strikers on loan, and same with Diamante Camera. I remember when he signed, I thought he'd be brilliant. Yeah, um, just, yeah. The, just, the, just the that. two goals in, in seven games. Yeah, um, he did that, 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 didn't he? Like Mitchell did. Mm, signed, signed by Sven, um, as you r- rightly pointed out. But yeah, he ultimately was was a disappointment, but I thought a very decent player at the time. And yeah, born in Paris, but played for Senegal. Uh, also played for, for West Brom, Fulham, Portsmouth and Celtic. But we didn't need any of them clues because Rick just um, just got it once again. We're just going to, I don't know how we make this harder. Yeah. It's a bit of an encyclopedia. How yeah. many posts have you put? Maybe, on maybe we Rick? play like golf. We do like um, handicap, handicap system. So I come in. Like, Mate, your your <laughs> internet connection is a handicap system normally. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All my kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, haven't, we haven't had any interruptions on the. Yeah, the me, kids I've had my brother around looking after him. So okay. they dread to think what's going on. I was going to say that you're all right. Um, but no, they are being yeah, looked well, after. They smashed Love. the kettle last weekend, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Livid, weren't you? Was it a glass kettle yeah, as well? Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't be giving kids no. glass kettles to play with. But my, my wife's fully trained as a Montessori teacher, so you got to let them get on with stuff. But, you know, it ain't good when I've had about six cans and I'm what's, on the sorry, podcast. Sorry, what's Mon- Montessori? Forgive me. Oh, it's a, way, it's a way of learning. Google it. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Oh, well, look, um, Becky, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No uh, massively appreciate it. Um, yeah, uh, let's hope for an upturn in, in results. And um, do you want to show you your Rogers out sign one more time before we go? Just yeah, to let's get it out. Where are we? There we are. <laughs> Rogers Ooh, out. Get yeah. out. <laughs> I have stuff. to give uh, you a shout out, Rick, for your Instagram um, run post, whatever it was, shouting about Rogers yesterday. I was dying. It made us with jump yesterday. <laughs> So I, 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 Rick sends us a lot of voice notes, and I have to turn everything on silent now because my wife's kind of veering from him. <laughs> well, I still enjoyed it. Lives for the voice note. Um, all right, beautiful stuff, Becky. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on. Right, See you later. Speak soon. Bye. Thank you very much. Um, so that yeah, Becky Taylor there. Um, Rogers out, and uh, yeah, have a look on her Twitter feed. It's Becky T L C F C. Um, it's the the feed she's put on of uh, it's in our hands the amount of times brendan said that and the amount of times it's also failed um jack i believe well i know for a fact you've prepared a number of notes today um so what yeah, is mate. next on your agenda is it next on my agenda next on my agenda yeah a uh, few people sent me some rude messages uh that i didn't know anything about football but um as they now know 40 percent stats 60 percent eyes um I thought Dak played well yesterday. I didn't think Ian Acho was that bad. Um, I won't dig him out too much. I didn't think he was that great. So if if I'm being really fair. Now, if I'm being really honest, I've been a bit provocative about Ian Acho over the last few weeks. I'm an Ian Acho fan, but I have a real genuine problem with the hype sometimes our players are given. And I think we build players up too much. I also think we hammer players too much. Um, Ian Acho is one of them that got built up and Dewsbury Hall's another one that I think got built up too much last season. He's now getting hammered, which I think is a little bit unfair. But Dakar's another player I've seen hammered, be hammered. And I thought he was really good yesterday. And 
the, the first point I'll make is how many of our strikers could score from 25 yards or 20 yards or however far away it was. It was probably about 23 yards off their wrong foot. It was like, it's a brilliant goal. Um, and um, it, like the boy is a goal scorer. I looked at their stats this morning. Ian, I won't, I won't bore you with all of them as, because as we know now, it's 40% stats, 60% eyes. Um, they're very like for like. And the one bit I do like about Daka is he presses. I think he's probably our best pressing striker. Ian Acho, I thought pressing wise, has been first couple of games. I thought he was really good, but actually that's, that's a big problem with him for me. I don't think his pressing's very good. I don't know where he's got the, not got the engine for it or yeah. whatever. That that's where it falls down. And when we're playing such a high line, if you've not got strikers that are pressing, it's a real problem. So I didn't agree with Brendan taking him off after 60 minutes. I thought he played really, really well. Um, I'm not going to get too high and mighty because it's one game. I thought they played really well. I thought they played well together. I thought we were a much poorer team when when we changed changed the system. For me, if we were going to change anything, it would have been to sort of go for. Uh, three four three or something like that. Um, although anything to get a Marty off the pitch because he was an absolute bomb site. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're both decent Premier League strikers. None of them are fantastic, but I keep being told that one of them's absolutely outrageously good and one of them shit. I'm not having it. I think they're both decent Premier League strikers. Um, and and I hope Daka can go on a bit of a run now. I hope Kel refines his form because because like I said, I thought he was he was probably six out of ten yesterday for me. Mm. Um, but but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll try and be a little bit more balanced on that. But um, people keep telling me Jack is a dreadful yeah. player. I'm I'm not having it. It's just I think that the difficult thing for me now going forward is is that you know I, I agree I, I like them as a two and we've constantly said that you know as a they they would both be better in a two. Um, so I think yeah they they did link up quite nicely at times. Um, yesterday there's, there's there is definitely the makings of a partnership there, but of course you can only have that partnership, Jack, if you're playing a three five two. And I think that's wherein lies the the issue at the moment I have, because i have a solution for this i've written on. the team out christiansen comes back in the team he goes to left back you put castagna in a back three yeah evan Suter, castan ricardo mm. on the right right um yeah bring indeedy back in the midfield someone's got to make their peace with soyuncu because if you're telling me he's our fifth best center half even at even yeah, at half sh- pace the ship sailed though mate the ship sailed no no, no but you've, you've at, at some point yeah. Like Johnny Evans will do his hamstring, like yeah. he looked like he was doing his hamstring running onto the pitch yesterday. You've like you've got to let bygones be bygones. The other thing I would say, and again, entirely controversial, Vestergaard played in a Denmark team that got to the European semi-final in a three at the back that didn't play a ridiculously high line. If Rogers goes thing. more, goes yeah. more pro, if he if he's more pragmatic about things because he doesn't have any quick centre halves now, mm. you can change things. And I, I think we need to we like stop this business of the like Suter hates it there was one point where he like I thought Suter played well yesterday but there was one point where the ball went over his head and he just panicked and kicked it out because he was like I've not got the legs for this there are about five centre-backs in world football that can play this silly high line (laughs) and we don't have any of our five yeah none of our five but this is the thing you know I know, well, I think previously, Jack, you didn't really like the the three five two formation. Was am I right in saying that? Is that correct? I don't I don't know. To be honest, I've never I've never been massively against it. I've i I think four three three with, with wingers is our best bet, but I think I've defended Barnes, but he's really gone off the ball the last few yeah. games. Mm. Um it's I think it's I, 
I like the three-five-two formation. I always have done, but obviously the, the problem is, is obviously it's it's very specialised personnel, isn't it, for the positions. Where if you play a four-four-two or four-three-three, it's a lot easier for them players to 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 work to that system. You know, with a three-five-two, you know, as you alluded to, Jack, um, we haven't really got the centre half suited for it. You know, you, you'd be better off putting Castagna in as, as one of those three, or potentially even a James Justin, because you know the the guys that play either side of the middle. You know, say, for instance, if it's Harry Souter or Evans playing in the middle, the two either side of him need to be mobile because they're going to get dragged out wide. You know, Fez and Amati just are not mobile enough to play as a three. Um, your wing backs need to be actual wing backs who can get up and down. Fortunately, yeah. we have got the players to do that. Um, but, and, then, and also, the other thing I would say on the wing backs, yeah. you actually, Castan, I think, is great from an engine point of view, but playing him on the left, he's never going to bomb on and no. put crosses in on his left foot, whereas mm. Chris Danielson, Chris Jansen is brilliant at that. So, yeah. I, I think that would really suit him. Mm. So, yeah, I'm just but, but kind of just a little bit conflicted because I've always liked the 3 5 2 formation. And I think at one point, our squad was absolutely best suited for that. You know, when we had, you know, Fafana, Evans, and Soyunchu. At that point, I'm thinking, yeah, that was great. But, you know, the, I think the reality is, is that Vesta guy isn't going to play for the club again. He's just not. Soyuncu, I don't think he is either. Evans just can't stay fit. So if if, if you're then stuck with just those three of Amati, Fez, and. and um, and then Suter, then they're not suited for, the, for that formation. And, and, he, and I, Rogers also I, isn't going to suddenly just ask them to sit deeper. So, I agree. With, I so agree. I don't with know you, what Jay. to do. And I'm sorry for interrupting you again. No, but I, this is where this is where these whatever's happened has happened. And and this is for me now where so, yeah, sorry, Rick, you can say something in a minute, mate. Um, I, I you we've got to just like let the grudges go. Like we can't still hold grudges. Like man- you need managers any player. don't know, do they? No, I know, but this, this is where the manager needs to change it. This is where Rogers either needs to just mm. man up, get over it, and realise that these lads can actually play football. I'm not saying Vestergaard can play football. So Yunchu, we know can play football. Yeah. And it's somewhat, if you're telling me that Soyuncu is a worse centre half than Danny Amati after watching that yesterday, yeah, I know nothing about football. Yeah, and and, and Fez, Sorry, again, I thought was just. Just it's like he's slowed down five yards, Rick, since he since he joined the club. At first, he looked mobile, he looked aggressive, and you know he he looked fairly quick across the ground, not lightning quick, but he's constantly being done for pace all the time. And um, yeah, from 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 thinking he was a brilliant signer, now looking at him, thinking he's a, he's a, he's a little, he's just chaos and, and not the good kind of chaos. Yeah, I mean, I was genuinely like. Lost for words when Roberto Martinez didn't use him in the World Cup because those performances before Mm. in the lead-up, he was faultless. He was that mix of aggression, passion, composed on the ball. He he was bailing out a Marty. Then it was everything that I thought, you know, I'm watching Belgium at the time with, um, you know, with their two. Yeah, that was it. I'm glad you said that because I was struggling to say their names. But um, yeah, you were like, you need that exuberance there. But then we've seen, I don't know. I said on in our WhatsApp group the other week, I can imagine that he's going to become a squad player for us. And in the right set, in the right environment, he'll be okay because as a squad player, I like some of his qualities, but I don't think he's going to be a 38-game-a-season player you can rely on who's got harbours the intentions of being in the top half. However, right now, who is playing well? You know, it's like sunbathing down the Gaza Strip. You ain't going to have a good time, are you? <laughs> so, I'm not. I'm not going to pick fault with too many players. I like what you two boys are saying about three at the back. The one thing is Brendan Rodgers doesn't do very well with a back three because 
again, defence isn't necessarily his strong point. Rogers is better at building that fluid attack. And I just think he loves possession-based football. So an extra defender in there, it slows it down a little. But, you know, if we are going to go and replace Rogers because we, we're going down, then go and get a manager who is adept at playing three at the back. Because, as Jack says, Christiansen coming back, I'm loving that down the left. I can just see it. It's like a young Stuart Pearce and the marauding down there. And then, yeah, if Castagna plays the third centre-back role and then Ricardo, it, it's the way to go. I mean, at the minute, Dewsbury all struggling. And I do wonder whether Dewsbury all is, again, going to be one of those that comes as a squad player when we go forward. I don't know, but I love his endeavour. His first touch is the pits, but, you know, you can't fault that. And I just think that's the blend. And going back to Dakar and Iheanacho, they've both got their weaknesses. You know, the first touch of Iheanacho is like a shot. Dakar <laughs> usually can't turn on the ball and run at players or hold it up, which Iheanacho, he can hold it up well. They are the perfect blend. You get that right now with confidence, because me and Jack were talking about this over text. Why are we missing so many sitters? Jordan says this, that's not on Rogers, that's the players. Yeah, but it's the environment. They're on their arse. The composure's gone. It's why we're only scoring long-range shots, because long-range shots, it's not composure. You're having a whack. Yeah. If you're if you're six yards out, you're like, what the hell, I'm going to score this. And then, oh my God, <laughs> I've put it wide. It's the, the confidence is gone. You've got to rebuild that. Get somebody in, come in and say, you're the bollocks, mate. Honestly, I've been watching you. You are the business. Get them on there. Three, five, two, whatever you want to call it. We'll stay up. Carry on. We'll go down. And then do, what we're gonna do? do? What are we do gonna know, do? do? Do you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make a Ric Flair soundboard. Yeah, so yeah do... we need one. I'd love that. <laughs> if putting people's oh, suggestions, what 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 would you like on the Ric Flair soundboard? I've got verbal throwing... diarrhea, I'm sorry. If it, 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 I the word Rick says, which lives yeah. rent through my L. head, is him saying unsavory. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I can I can just quote that in my head. Um I want to go back what what you said about KDH. Um now I've I've hammered him a little bit, and I don't think he needs hammering right now because I think he like he looked like the ground was going to swallow him up when he missed that chance yesterday. The position he's playing in is doing absolutely nothing for him. We seem to have decided that a player with no right foot whatsoever is going to play on the right hand side of central midfield, and his best qualities are when he's marauding forward and knocking it to Barnes and playing one twos. And yeah, for some reason, we seem to have decided that he's going to play on the right of midfield. So every time he gets the ball at the moment, he just goes backwards um, and he's playing really deep. And I just, I don't get it. Mm. Like if you want someone to play deep, playing Didi and Mendy, yeah. um, which is, is, is pretty horrible. But I, I just, I can't see any logic in playing him in, in that position because he's not got a right foot whatsoever. He had, a, he, I think he had a, a shot with his right. He actually hit the bar in the in the first half on his on his left. But he had a shot with his right foot that went went miles wide. But he's he, he's a very one one footed player, which is 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 limitation and a bit like Fez. You know, if we're going to become a top ten Premier League side, which is a long way off currently, then I think he's he's back up, which is what he's always designed to be. But he's he's just being hung out to dry a little bit at the moment. And even in the game yesterday, I was like, take him off because he just looks. Yeah, it's just, he, you know he's quite—he's quite a small player. He looks about four foot three, yeah. like yeah. on about eighty-five minutes. That the shoulders are slumped for sure. Yeah. But it's obviously just a lack of options, isn't it? And it's—it's it's interesting you brought up that point because you know I was watching obviously the, the game, and it's, I have to say it's probably the first time I, I was thinking we really, really miss Yuri Tielemans. Um, and 
it's interesting because whilst I, of course, respect and, and think he's a very good player, I've I've always felt that actually maybe his stock in terms of outside of the football club is maybe a little bit higher than the reality of your routine. And he's a very good player, he is. But Rick, I just think right now, actually, we are really missing him. You know, A, just because he's a good player, we're missing a good player. But because, you know, those other players in those positions like Jusby are struggling so much, you know, his composure and um, ability on the ball... It was it was lacking severely yesterday. First time yesterday, I thought we really really miss Yuri, and you know it's unlikely, isn't it? We'll, we'll see him probably now this season, and probably ever again. Oh, yeah, and that pains me. I, I love Telemann so much. I know he's been up and down. Yeah, you know he came on loan and he was the just God's gift. Then 2019-20, when we actually were playing some of the best football I've ever seen us play, he was perhaps not, you know, at his peak, was he? And then the season after he was. And then it's gone like that with Tielemans. But what you get with him is, as to quote Rogers, he's, he's on the field sort of orchestrator, isn't he? He's captaining, even though he perhaps didn't always have the armband. He's just marshalling. His experience is, is phenomenal and his passing range. But I, I was about to say something about Dewsbury Hall as well. I know he's had a season that's not been in anywhere near what we expected in his second season, but Pre the World Cup, Jewsby Hall was better than he is now. We all, you know, we were winning games for a start, but he was contributing. Tielemans in that, he was becoming this sort of like quarterback. I don't know if you can remember, but he was like that outlet when we needed um, defensively. Yeah, he played right back at some time. He was, yeah. but we looked a lot stronger, and it seemed to give Fess a bit more space to get on the ball, and then he'd get that ball in. He'd either get it through to Jewsby Hall in that sort of half eight. Sometimes in the 10 role, because Jewsby all would be playing the 10 when he was pressing. And we just seem to open the pitch up a lot better. Whereas now, or well, straight after the World Cup, as Jack says, Jewsby all and Tielemans are sort of switch up. Tielemans was then playing on the left side of it and then uh, KDH on the right. And he, I don't know where Rogers has got that from. Where's he watched in the off season during the, and thought, I know what I'm going to do here. I'm going to, I'm going to mix it up here and I'm going to make them play roles that don't suit them. So, okay, it's unfortunate because Yuri's now out for another few weeks. But, yeah, we miss him so much. And I'm I'm going to be devastated when he goes because the, the man is a class act. Mm. And we've got many, many players running their contracts down, whether that's deliberately themselves because they want to leave or we want them to go and they've not gone yet. But Tielemans, yes, his form's dropped. But I'll, it's been a privilege to watch him. Uh, he, he's in the top five, six central midfielders I've ever seen for us, and he goes with my best wishes when he does. Even though it's it, it's galling that he's we're not getting the fee that we deserve, but yeah, we we miss him so much. Yeah, and so I just thought just, it was it was it was it was telling. I don't think actually it's been spoken about that much, unless I've just missed the conversations. But you know, we're aware he's missing. But yeah, perhaps people aren't. You know. <laughs> Like we're missing Yuri Tiedemann, one yeah. of our one of our best players, and that is probably a big contributing factor at the moment, or it's certainly not helping, is it, to, to say the least? Um, Trevor, quick look ahead to to Brentford, Cherry, but before we finish up, um, I'm conscious that we've we've gone quite long again today. I mean, I should just stop apologising because it's just the, the the standard now, isn't it? We, we go well over an hour. Um, but Brentford up next for us in the Premier League, as I alluded to earlier, we're going now into a run of four games um, before the Man City one, where. Oh. 
you know, if you are going to be looking at the league table and, and doing like league predictors and picking out games where you think you're going to pick up points, um, this run of four games is is one where we where we quite simply have to. I know it's not quite as straightforward as that because you'll always pick up points maybe sometimes at other places where you won't expect. But it's Brentford, then Palace, uh, then Villa, then Bournemouth. Um, but Brentford, whilst you, you may look at it as like little old Brentford, um, they're flying in the Premier League at the moment. Um, got a great shout of actually playing European football and uh, 12 games unbeaten um, as well. Lost, lost to Everton yesterday. Oh, shit, they did, didn't they? Yeah, Apologies, yeah. yeah, I was busy yesterday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. Um, I was going to ask you a, a trivia question now, but that doesn't work because they lost yesterday. <laughs> Before yesterday, there was only three teams in Europe who were unbeaten this year. Uh, Brentford were one of them. Um, do you know who the other two were? Real Madrid and PSG. No. Re- uh, is it Stad Ream? Yeah, William correct. Steele? Oh, Who's yeah. One of my, yeah that, he's he's not... a poster boy. That's yep. not been written on Twitter at all. Like, I haven't seen no. that start. Yeah. <laughs> or, so, or, or that they're paying 22 grand a game. <laughs> no, to, uh... <laughs> so so he's won. Um, well, that club's won. Who's, who's the other team? They better not have lost this weekend as well. <laughs> the, the stats correct as of... It wasn't Friday. Pearson. <laughs> and Bristol City, is it? No, it's not no Pearson City. ball. Uh, it's Borussia Dortmund was the other one. Um, yeah, that's okay. said. Stats correct as of Friday because I, I missed all the results of the weekend other than Leicester's one. Um, but look, uh, what do we make of Brentford? Obviously, we're, we're away. If memory serves me correct, I think we've got a pretty decent record overall against them. Um, but right now, you know, we know the way that Brentford play. It's, it's high intensity. It's it's very quick moving football. Um, I always like the way that they do play. Um, I have to say that, yeah, of, of the four games we've got coming up, this one isn't really one I'm particularly confident about. Not that I'd be confident about any game, frankly, that the Leicester will play at the moment. Um, but we are really going to have to up our game and Brentford need to be slightly off it is, is, is my kind of um, take and, and prediction for, for this one, really, Jack. Well, Everton beat them and Everton are shite. So mm. like that gives me a lot of hope. I'm as, as you know, I'm a big Thomas Frank fan. He's got... Ben Mee looking like a Premier League centre half and the bloke that used to play for Huddersfield as well. So he's he's a miracle worker as far as I'm concerned. So I, I woke up pretty early this morning and I just started writing some notes. So there's 12 games to go, right? We need we need to win five games and draw one, which gets us 40 points, which you'd assume would keep us up, but then it's not a normal season, yeah. right? Yeah. And genuinely, rationally this morning, I've got a start against 10 games where I think we can pick up points. The only two I haven't got any star against is Man City and Newcastle. Right. And even then, Newcastle, I'm going... I was going to say, yeah. but maybe not so formidable right now, Newcastle. No, exactly. And I put, I put a star against Liverpool because they're away from home. Um, Fulham away will be a difficult game, but like there's, there's still games there that I go, we, like, we should be picking up points if we're the normal Leicester City we know from from the last three years so I'm I'm going on holiday again this week so uh, I'm not there on Saturday which I'm quite pleased about so I can avoid all, this all time? Going, I'm going to Cape, uh, Cape Town for a wedding which is quite nice very nice um, yeah I know yes. I've got I've got no holiday left or any money up so uh, any donations welcome uh, but yeah not. yeah 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 um, but yeah like I I, I as we are today, I see as having absolutely no chance whatsoever. But like things can change, so I, I, I'm reading this and going, yeah, 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 we'll be fine. 
But that's the problem. People are looking at this and going, yeah, yeah we'll be fine. And imagining the team from a year ago, not the shite that played yesterday. So um, I think basically we've got to do a few things. We've got pray Madison and Everson, Evans stay fit, which is, you know, like without a prayer. Drop Ward because uh, even if Everson is an average goalkeeper, he's better than a rubbish one. Um, indeed, he needs to like, I know he's not been very good, but in Indeed, indeed, he is better than Mendy and Sumari. Like even a even a half fit, a half good. Indeedy, so Yunchu needs to come back into the frame. Um, we need to be a little bit more pragmatic about the defensive line, and then we need to replace the manager because the players need some confidence. So not I, much I then. Not much, <laughs> but. Five of those calls are within, well, no, four of those calls because you can't like pray that Madison and Evans stay fit. But I do think Evans coming back should make a difference. Um, it's just whether he can stay fit because he's he's looked like the glass man all season, hasn't he? Well, after Rick's opening analogy about um, church and religion, um, I'd like to hear his take on praying for Madison as, as well. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it's been, we've never kept a squad fit. You know, we nearly, just when we'd signed Tete, Christiansen and Sutar, that squad, didn't it? It yeah. looked like, we're nearly there. Ricardo was coming back. We still had Justin out but and Evans, but there might have been some others, but it was there. And then very quickly, yeah. you know, Tielemans out, Christiansen out. I've probably missed others. I know we thought Barnes was out, but he was on the bench, so small mercies. But it doesn't matter what we think. Whether Evans stays fit, then you know Sutar will do his ACL or it, like whatever. You know, injuries is an. We could do a whole hour and a half on injuries, couldn't we? I don't think we really do that justice on 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 the regime. But um, if everyone stays fit and we go, well, no, just go and get a new manager, please. And I, I've, I feel like people will be like, listen to that prat. It going on and on and on and on about Brendan. That's nothing about the football though. That's just generally right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm just I just chunch on constantly. But this isn't on Brendan now. This is on the board. They're complicit in this. They've got to, you know, Brendan's not going to walk away. Why should he? He's got a load of bunts that he's riding on and pay him off. But you know, there is still points there to be won. And Jack's right. There's there's enough there that we can still get them. Are there enough there with Brendan? I don't see it because the confidence is shot to pieces. And I know it can take one result and momentum turns. But since the World Cup, we've got three results, a draw and two wins. The two wins were new player bounce and there were chaotic games, which probably suit us. But, you know, we leave no stone unturned in our pursuit of defeat. We can play quite well in games. We can create chances. We can look quite good. Then suddenly we're horribly passive. We'll make the most horrendous de defensive mistakes. Or we'll, we'll just implode. So there's no resolve there. There's nothing you can hang on to. It's not trying to finger an eel. You just can't do it. So he's got to go. And if he goes, I reckon we've got a good chance of staying up. But I want one. Th I want to finish the podcast on one thing. I think me and Jack are done. Are you done? We'll have a quick game of cat shit, right? So I've come up with a game. I play it with my kids, and you shout cat shit. And am I saying cat shit as in I'm really catch warm. the ball, or cat shit? The a cat's done a shit on the ground. Okay. 
So, you ready? No. You two are Are you ready? Catch it. Catch uh, it. What are the rules? <laughs> just just look down and catch it. I'm a, is it catch it a ball or is it catch it, catch it? Someone's shit. Right. I, th- I, I think this, the second one was catch it. <laughs> no. Incorrect. <laughs> Can you play him again? Can you play him again? All right. Catch it. I don't know because I couldn't hear. That that was catch it. Catch it. That was catch it, yeah. That's catch it. No, that was catch it. As in cat, the cat's had a shit. (laughs) You're just making this up, mate. Mate, that's the game. (laughs) (laughs) Right, where where is this leading back to Leicester City? I don't think it is. We are cat shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, there we are. <laughs> I mean, wow. You can't finger an eel. No, I'm still thinking about that poor bloody eel. <laughs> Quite incredible. Um, Jack, is there anything else on your agenda list um, before we wrap up? Mate. I don't think we can really go on and talk about anything else now after playing cat shit and well, talking about eels in, in that manner. I'm done, mate. That's... Yeah, I think we're all done. See you later. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sorry, that was just so incredible. Um, I'm so, so I need to play the music again. Um, once again, if you don't like the swear words, but I mean, at this point, you've you've probably heard about 50. Um, so you're not going to be offended by this um, song that we're going to play out. It's once again the, the Frozen You don't one. like the swear words. Uh, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bollocks! <laughs> right. See you next week. Have a wonderful week. trying to finger an eel bloody hell rick sports social podcast network